Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I hope you all had a great weekend, because I'll tell you, here in my hometown, it's 120 degrees, which represents the single all-time high that Portland's ever seen. I don't try to sit in the heat like some suckers. I try to beat the heat, and I'm going to help you all do the same. Coming up on today's show... I'll tell you what Khabib said about Conor McGregor, and I'll also ask you guys a question about Sean O'Malley. Plus, is Kayla Harrison the next Ronda Rousey? It's a big show coming up today, so let's waste no time and start with the big news that all of you guys are fired up about. Surreal Gone is going to take on Derek Lewis for the Interim Heavyweight Championship. Awesome. Do we all want to see that? Sure we do. Back up. There's a story here. How did we get here? I know you're all thinking that, right? I mean, this seems to be like the elephant in the room. How we got here is very simple. So let's enjoy the drama along the way, which is the back and forth going on right now between the manager of Engano and Dana. So surreal fights over the weekend, right? Quick timeline. No, you know what? Let's back up even further. Angano wins the championship over Stipe. Angano goes to the press conference. Angano says, the only thing I want is to stay busy. Where does that statement come from? Angano was named the number one contender, okay, after he defeated Rosenstruck. DC and Stipe are already signed, but they're in the future. Now, we at this point in the sport have never had a number one contender identified that gets to sit out and wait when... The championship match is further out. This has never happened. So that forced Engano to wait until the championship match. Let these two get it settled. Then you've got the recovery period, for in this case with Stipe. Engano's got to wait. Then you got to have a little negotiation period. Engano's got to wait. Then you have the signing in the training camp. Engano's got to wait. So I fully got what Engano was talking about. He was rewarded for his good work with the number one contendership inadvertently. He saw it as a punishment. He didn't go to go to work. No problem. Learning lesson. But when Engano says, I want to stay busy, I took him at his word. I took him on his word because of what I just stated. So, starts to be some quick dialogue about John Jones versus Engano. John doesn't want to do it. Okay. Derek Lewis, who's the top contender, had that win, be it a comeback from behind over Curtis Blades or not. Derek Lewis had also defeated Engano. Makes all the sense, right? There was a major respect being showed to John Jones, even though he'd never fought in the division. Look, dude, you're really good, and if you want to come up here, we'll give you the opportunity. But absent of that, it falls to Derek Lewis. All makes perfect sense, right? I'm stating for you the obvious, just reminding you how we got here. Something comes out from Engano's side that he doesn't want to fight Derek. He's not afraid. He's not scared. It's not one of those little childhood playground moments. He just, but he wants the John Jones fight. Can't get you John Jones. Don't have John Jones. Have Derek Lewis giving you Derek Lewis. We don't ever get a real clear answer from the champ. Talking about Engano. 
But we do hear some rumblings that he's still going to do what he can do to try to hold on and get a different match that he doesn't want Derek. We're hearing that he's going to fight Derek in July. And I know what you're thinking, July's upon us. Yeah, right, I'm thinking that too, which tells us that didn't get done. And we know that Derek was at the table. I spoke to Derek. I can tell you for sure Derek was at the table. We heard Dana, who spoke publicly, said that's the fight to make, that's the fight we're going to make. So we know Dana's at the table, but we don't have the fight. So that tells us by default that it's on Francis's side. I have to lay out that order or I'm being wrong. It wouldn't be right for me to tell you that Francis didn't want to fight Derek because I don't have evidence of that. And Francis has never come out and said that and that wasn't even speculated. We got to that interpretation by default of Derek's at the table, Dana's at the table, and we don't have a fight. Okay. Dana comes out and announces it's going to be Surreal versus Derek Interim Championship. Team Engano throws their hands up. How did we get here? And now they've, they're the offended party, by the way. They are the aggrieved party which is a wildly interesting take. Wildly interesting. Francis, now stay with me, guys. It seems like everybody got what they wanted, except now everybody's pissed, right? Welcome to the world of MMA. Francis doesn't want to fight on certain dates. That's true. He's admitted to that. I don't want to fight until September. Okay, great. This fight's going to happen sooner than September. So it sounds as though you can't be in the fight. We're going to hold the fight. You don't want to fight until September. You don't have to. No problem. You can have what you want. I, now this is Dana, I want a heavyweight title fight prior to then. I am going to go get it. I'm going to go go do it with these two guys. It seems as though everybody's getting what they want. And the one thing that Francis, I believe, is missing is whatever he does next against Gong or Derek Lewis is going to be much bigger. It's much bigger now. Now, none of this was meant to be a reward to Francis, but none of it was meant to be a punishment either. Dana has a job to do, which is to book fights on certain dates. It is his job. Had anybody else done what Dana did, they would view themselves as organized. And they do do what Dana did. But for some reason, Dana's the skunk at the garden party. Put it in this perspective, okay? Fighter. Fighter doesn't have a boss. Fighter runs his own schedule. A disciplined fighter will write that down and honor it, whether he feels like it or not. That is how he will stay organized. Fighter's going to do a mitt workout at 3 o'clock on Friday, okay? Fighter calls his coach. Now, Fighter lined up. Fighter wrote this down. Fighter planned to do it, but he went a little out of order. He hasn't yet told the coach. So he calls the coach on a Wednesday, and he says, Hey, 3 o'clock on Friday, meet me at the gym do a mitt workout. Coach says, I can't do it. For whatever reason, it does not matter. I'm hurt. I'm sick. I'm taking the wife out. It's my kid's graduation. Whatever the excuse, like it or not, if he can't show up, fighter still has to do the mitt workout at three o'clock on Friday. So he does what? He calls somebody else. And maybe it wasn't his first pick, but he calls somebody else. And he will continue making calls all the way down to a teammate who isn't even very good at holding mitts. But he will make it happen because at 3 o'clock on Friday, that's what he has to do. It's the exact scenario that Dana had to go through. Exact. But instead of being organized and disciplined, he's looked at as underhanded. And if people would just understand, and Dana never explains this to anybody. Maybe he doesn't want people to know. Or maybe he's just taking it for granted and thinks people do know. Dana would not be right in that. Dana would be wrong. People don't know. 
Dana also has written things down. However, they're not optional. They're not policy. They're in the form of a contract. If Dana doesn't have that contract, you athletes have nowhere to fight. So Dana has to do it this way, not optional. And he has written down that the heavyweight title will be contested on this day. He now needs to find two guys to contest for it. The exact same way as an athlete would run his 3 o'clock mitt workout on Friday. He would try to get his number one coach who he wanted to work with, and then he would begin going down. But eventually, he's going to find somebody, and he's going to get the workout done. So Francis is now in a pretty sweet spot, whether he knows this or not. Francis's next fight is now going to be a lot bigger than his next fight was going to be. Inadvertently, and a byproduct of this, is John Jones just got retired. That is a gross overstatement by me. But I use that to get your attention to prove the point of how quickly things change. John's next fight in a best case scenario prior to this happening is six months away. Francis was going to fight Derek. Francis is going to recover. Now Francis needs an opponent. And that's where John at least would have an open line to communicate. They can now begin this back and forth again. Of course, Stipe is going to want to be heard. So there's no guarantees of what happens. But John can at least be heard Now, John just got another six months put on that. He is now one year away from even having an opening line of communication because the championship's going to be contested by these boys, Derek and Surreal. The winner's going to take on Engano in a much bigger fight, which is where Engano really got served well here, whether he can currently see that or not. That pushes out anybody else, including Stipe. Pushes out anybody else 12 months, six months apiece, right? That's where I'm getting that math. Six months, broad number, but I'm close. Times that by two, broad number. Nobody knows what that math is, but that sounds about 12 months. So these are these are some of the things that happen. And before you all want to go get mad at Dana, Dana, just like you guys, has things written down. And whether it goes his ideal situation or not, he's going to honor that and he's going to do it. When you guys do it, you get credit. It's called being disciplined. It's called being uh, focused. When he does it, it's all these other things, and I don't know why. I have the foggiest idea why. I've done nothing wrong here. I've done nothing wrong. I am a fan. Why should I be punished? Why should I not get to see a heavyweight title fight? Because these whatever excuses they have, no different than the coach. I'm hurt. I'm sick. Taking the wife out. Kids graduate. Good excuse, bad excuse, doesn't make any difference. I still have to do my job. So what happens now with John? We've been talking that over here for a very long time. That as much as he thinks the sun is shining on him and that sun is never going to set, you now see he just got kicked another six months. That's in a best case scenario. That's if Richard Schaefer can talk some kind of sense into him and get him out. Best case scenario. Just to have Dana or Hunter calling you, you're now a year out. Can John do something else? Can he go and take on Stipe? I talked to Stipe's wife, and she says, we're hearing John, and we're we're open to the idea, right? This is about two months ago. They were open to the idea. So that might be an avenue for John. Just because Chael says, oh, John's career, it doesn't mean it's true. It just, you got to change, right? You got to navigate with it. Francis... Manager is now in a back and forth with Dana. I don't. This is one of the more confusing things. What is it we have to talk about? 
This is a business relationship. If there's no business, there's no relationship. Real straightforward. Now, I'm talking about the manager and Dana. You can have people speak for you, but you're responsible for the stupid stuff they say. You don't get to put distance in. You just don't. That's the way it works. You can go get new representation. If you want to move forward, though, it's not at your leisure. And I don't say this to bark at you. I say that to you younger athletes that's watching, listen to this, just so you understand a piece of this that I don't think Dana's ever explained. And I don't know if it's because he, hey, that's nobody's business but mine, or if he just thinks that you know. I'm condescending a little bit to you as though you don't know. But Dana has something called a calendar. And that calendar has dates on it, and he has contracts out to make this whole thing move forward, certain things that he needs to do. And getting on with a division and a heavyweight title fight is a very pressing thing. Who's going to go out and contest for it? Guys, I, get, I agree with this completely. Always. And I don't take the office side. I'm always with the locker room. I always stand with the boys. But the rest of the boys have a dream too. Not just the guy that, that got up in the loft first and gets to pull the ladder up behind him. In this case, named Francis. There's other guys with a dream and we don't get to hold them up. It's not right. It's not right to hold up an industry. It's not right to hold up us fans. You've got to get on with it. I have never agreed with the idea of when a guy doesn't want to walk out there to keep him in the rankings. Even if a guy is injured, as cold-hearted as that might sound, if he is openly telling you, I'm not good enough or tough enough to even walk out there and try for whatever reason, you can't keep him at number three in the rankings. He just told you, I can't even do it. So I only bring that to you because this is a volunteer army, but it has to stay that way. It can get very gross very fast. Your parents will encourage you to try soccer. They will encourage you, hey, try some ball sports. Get in there and the baseball, get in there with the volleyball. The get out there and try. See how you like it. Throw some stuff at the wall. See how you like it. Get on a horseback. All sorts of activities. See what you like. Your parents will never encourage you to go into fist fighting. They just won't. It's not one of those things you play. It's not one of those things that you get forced into. That's not right when that happens. It can't be true all the way up to the octagon. It has to be volunteer. And the best in the world in all sport has to do with a voluntary participation. That's where it starts. Who wants to do this? Who wants to enter the pool? Who wants to be in the field? You get your players, and then you find some kind of a competitive architecture to work it out so that you can have your rankings, so you can have your champion, your second place, your third place. This is the way it works. And if one guy, for whatever reason, and I don't I don't begrudge Francis. Francis is in a beautiful spot. They didn't take Francis's belt away. They didn't strip the son of a bitch. I mean, his manager's out here talking like something bad happened to them. You said you don't want to fight till this day. Great, guess what? You don't need to. We're going to do it your way. You believe you have some level of power now because you've got the belt. Guess what? We're leaving it we're leaving it on you. Oh, by the way, should I mention your next fight, which was going to be against Derek or Surreal anyway, is now still going to be against Derek or Surreal, but you're going to make a whole bunch more money. Francis is not the aggrieved party here. Dana has a job to do. The boys in the back have a dream that only goes one way, which is forward. And every time we get a guy that gets a championship, he changes his goals. He no longer wants to be a competitor. He just wants to hold on to that damn thing. 
Somebody gets in his ear to tell you got the power. You're holding the cards. They can't tell you what to do. They never could tell you what to do. That's a misconception. When you get a call from Dana, you got three answers. Yes, no, maybe. Yes means yes, no means no, and maybe means let me call you back. Real simple. Everything was above board here. Two guys that want to fight for the belt are going to fight for the belt on the day that they're supposed to contest the belt. If you don't want to be part of that field, don't. And in this case, the champ is not. If you didn't know, there's a big trilogy fight set up for July 10th and coming up next, a UFC legend weighs in on it. That's in a moment, but first, here's a word about one of our sponsors, BetterHelp. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, the world's largest e-counseling platform. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Guys, be honest. I gotta be transparent too. I've been there at times. I've struggled in these areas and I gotta get through it too. BetterHelp is a great online therapy and counseling platform that allows you to reach out for help from the privacy of your own home. This isn't a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. You can start communicating with a professional counselor in under 48 hours. That's good news for some of us who need help immediately. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area, especially if you're in a state still shut down because of the pandemic. This service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhealth.com slash and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. BetterHelp is offering my listeners 10% off your monthly service, so don't hesitate to go and get the help you need. Visit betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com slash sunnen to get started. Khabib was weighing in on Conor versus Poirier. And Khabib said, if it ends in the first round, Conor wins. Anything beyond the first round favors Poirier. Now, I love debates before fights. I feel talking about it and trying to guess is why I like to go out and then watch the fight. To see if I'm right or the person that I was debating was right. Some people bet on fights because it makes it more interesting. That's my form of betting on a fight. I'm betting what's going to happen. I'm betting knowledge. When I have these debates and you share your opinion, for me to enjoy that conversation and to respect your analysis, you must base it on some kind of historical data. You must, or you lose me. That's not some rule. That's Chael's rule, right? I, I need some kind of historical data. Khabib is very founded accurately that the faster fights go, the better it is for McGregor 
However, this one is a little bit more complicated. Does Conor McGregor have a left hand from hell? Precision, length, speed, power, yes he does. Can Conor end your night early with said left hand? Yes he can. Does Conor have a secret left hand that the world does not know about? No. Did he once? Yes. That's one of the problems with uh, being cloaked in success in today's world of everybody's got a camera. I got a camera right here. And you guys, same thing, right? The world has cameras, but this is very relevant. You'll hear about boxers from the 1900s all the way up to the 1950s. Some of them were champion for 10 years. And you think, well, that must be the best boxer of all time. Look at how long he held the belt. Well, it was a lot easier to hold a belt when people were watching you with their ears through a transistor radio. There's a rule out here in Oregon. This might be nationwide. I'll just, uh, an Oregon rule. Football. We cannot go out and videotape our competition and then study. Did you know that? It is against the rules that includes with what we have something called Pop Warner. When I was growing up, that was called Little League. You cannot do it with the 8-year-olds. You can't do it with the 5th graders. You can't do it with the 8th graders. You can't do it with the high school kids. It is illegal. Reason being is so effective. You start to learn what some plays are. You start to know what they're calling when the quarterback pops up and gives a signal. You could just shut them down. It's just too effective. The same thing goes in fighting, but it's not illegal. It's encouraged. It's smart. It's tactical. It's part of training camp. Your trainer will sit there, he'll watch a fight, he'll take notes, he'll rewatch the fight, he'll take notes, he'll put in a, a, another fight, he'll take notes. It's one of these things. He'll then bring you in, he'll show you where the high spots are. You get all this, right? I'm stating the obvious, I'm just sharing with you in some sports, you can't even do it. The reason you can't do it is you can really stop the other guy. So Conor McGregor, who has a left hand, it's just not secret anymore, which just means he has to hide it a little bit better. Very few people have ever been Babe Ruth where they can walk out to the mound and tell you where they're going to put the ball and then succeed. As a matter of fact, in the world of fighting, I can only think off the top of my head of one guy, which is Mike. Iron Mike Tyson. Everybody knew about the uppercut. Everybody knew about the hook. Everybody knew about the bob coming in, how he was going to avoid the punches. He wasn't doing a pull. He wasn't doing a slip. He wasn't doing the roll. He was going to bob. Trust you couldn't hit him. Get that uppercut and hit you, and he would still do it. He would still do it even if you knew that it was coming. So, Connor doesn't have the advantage of secrecy. He has a very big advantage in speed, length, and power. However, those are no longer secrets to Dustin. Connor will be able to take that kind of speed, that reactionary devices, the setups and the mechanisms, the mechanics into other opponents, but this will be his third time with Dustin. So the mask is off. So straight up to straight up, no surprises. And when you have a tricky fighter, and Connor is a very tricky fighter, the more you get to know him, the more familiar that you can be. Now, all I've done here is state the obvious for you. I'm looking at what Khabib said. As the fight goes on, does that favor Dustin? Traditionally, yes. Traditionally, it does, and the only piece of evidence that we have for how Connor can do in a rematch is the only rematch that Connor has ever had, which is part two versus Nate Diaz. And Connor deserves a ton of credit. He learned what he needed to learn. He pulled that punch. One thing about that left hand that Connor throws, it takes a lot of energy. He puts everything into it, and he's only got three or four of them in the chamber, and all of a sudden it's empty. 
Well, when he went in there with Diaz part two, having learned what he learned in part one, which is even on my best of strikes, I just can't put this guy down. He's too big at that case, too good of a chin. I need to extend that. I need to not put all my power in it. So instead of landing four of those, I can land 15 of those through the course of the night. It was just one piece of the strategy. But Connor does deserve the credit and respect that he earned that night, showing that he can adapt and change. Coming into this contest, I only say that for you because Khabib is right. Historically speaking, Khabib is absolutely right. All we would need to do, we would need to look at Connor's fights. We could just pull up his record on SureDog and see how many of them ended in the first period and see that 100% of those he won. And 100% of the fights that Connor lost were outside of the first period. Boom, Khabib's right. But this one, there's a little bit more to it. There's a little bit more to why Connor can reasonably be, reasonably be expected to do better in rounds two, three, and four in a trilogy fight than he would in the first meeting with an opponent. There's reasons for this. Connor is doing no media. I spoke with Robin Black yesterday. You guys know Robin. He's got a show in Canada. He lives in Toronto. There's a network called TSN. And I didn't know Connor was doing no media. I've been sitting around looking for Connor in media. Robin revealed to me that Connor has revealed to the world, I'm not doing any. I'm locked down. Full focus, 100% on this fight. Is that good or is that bad? It's a good thing to say, and it sure sounds cool that I sure am focused. I don't fully get the concept because if you are a full-time professional fighter, I mean, you take this serious. This is what you do. You're in the practice room for three hours a day. In an absolute worst-case scenario, you're putting three hours into it. The really, really good athletes don't quite get there because their intensity is too high. They're just, they're go, they go too hard while they're there. They, they, it's called burning hot. They burn red hot. They don't extend. They don't talk. They don't take a whole bunch of water breaks. They are locked in. They're in and out. Your morning workout, which is going to be some level of strength and conditioning traditionally, you're talking about 45 minutes to an hour. If you do it right, that's it. That's all that you'll have if you're doing it right. You'll rest, you'll recover, you come back in the afternoon, now you're on the mat. That means you're gloved up, your headgear, you got your gloves on, you're going to get some live goes in. Again, how long can you do it? When I say two hours, I don't know anybody that goes two hours. They could be in the room around that hour 40, hour 45 minutes. That's with a warm-up, that's with a cool-down, that's with visiting with the boys, the whole bit. I don't know anybody that actually is on the mat and working at a high level of intensity for two hours. So when I tell you it's three hours of your day, I am rounding up just to make sure that I win, that I'm correct in my statement. So why can't he do media? What in the hell else are you There's 21 hours in the day, aside from what you're training. Why couldn't you do media? I like media for Connor. I have to acknowledge that, because I want to answer this question for you guys. This is not a rhetorical question. When I say, why can't he do media? That's not a question that I don't need an answer to. There is an answer, but here's what it is. He's in Ireland. That's relevant. Geographically speaking, that's relevant. Because what they've done in the past to Connor, because Dublin is not a big media hub, is they fly him to New York, and then they fly him to L.A., and then he's got to go back to New York, and he's got to go back to L.A. He's away from his gym. He's away from his coaches. He's away from what he's used to do. He's getting workouts at midnight on a treadmill in a hotel room. And he's I don't want to do that. So it's not that Connor doesn't want to speak to you all, or that he doesn't want to tell you how he's training or how he's feeling or to tune in and watch his fight. It's a geographical 
logistical change for Connor. And he said, I, I don't want to do it. I respect it. I got it. You got to have a little bit of it, right? Take somebody outside and beat them up. You, you'd much rather wait until a million people were watching. So you got to have a little bit of both. But this is what's happening with Connor. Look, here's the downside. The downside to it is when Connor's out there talking trash, and people think, well, he's trying to get into his opponent's head. That that's a piece of it, guys. It's a small piece. Okay. Well, Connor's trying to sell tickets. He's trying to get attention. That's a piece of it. But it's a small piece. When a guy's out there talking that way, he's convincing himself. And it works. It's very successful to start saying things out loud and to start to believe them, to start to bring them into your universe, okay? These are very real things. And when Connor isn't doing that, it's also going to be a piece, no matter what size we agree on, that is missing. And one of Connor's big goals here, and whoever threw his arms around him and is overseeing this camp, is to lock in, go back to your roots, do what you used to do. The part they got wrong is screaming from the rooftops about how great he is, convincing himself, hearing himself say it, making his opponent think about it, no matter how small that might be in relation to what people generally think that's done for. They've removed that piece. I don't agree with that. I don't love that. If we're going back to the way things once were, let's include all the pieces. And a little bit of bravado, a little bit of brashness, a little bit of arrogance are ingredients to the recipe of success for the notorious. So McGregor and Poirier are all set to headline UFC 264. But before those guys enter the cage on July 10th, Sugar Shang O'Malley is opening the show. But some news came out today that his opponent, Luis Smolka, is out. So now the question is, who do you all want to see the Sugar Show go against? I mean, largely that's who he's going to be fighting. Who do you want to see him fight? So Sean O'Malley said, I need an opponent. I want to stay on the card, right? You guys understand what's going on. Sean was on a main card. His opponent pulled out. Sean wants to keep that date. He wants to show up for work. Okay. All sorts of people when Sean said this came out. I mean, there must have been 10 guys. Off the top of my head, Ray Borg came out. Ricky Simone came out. Stammen came out. Moshe Shavili, I, can, I can't pronounce his name. Stud out of uh, uh, Ray Longo's gym came out. Who do you want to see Sean fight? And also, what kind of power is Sean wielding? All these guys are coming out asking for the fight, saying they'll do it, and they're right to do so. Sean said, I want an opponent. Okay, great. Speak up, right? Squeaky wheel gets the grease. But I'd like to know who you guys would like to see him fight. I thought there was legs. And I was hoping there was legs to Sean O'Malley, Dominic Cruz. That really went nowhere in a hurry. Okay. Another one I would like to see, and this one's a little off. I don't know if you guys are going to love this, but Jose Aldo. I would like to see O'Malley get a little bit more fast-tracked. I'm sold. I think he's the real deal. I think he can fight with anybody. I think he can be the champion on any given day. I think there's five or six guys in that weight class. Of course, your champion, Aljo. Of course, Peter Yan, of course, O'Malley. I really think Dominic Cruz on any given day. I think Ricky Simone needs to be in there. I'm leaving guys out, of course. Rob Font. I mean, I could go on and on. There's some, there's some hammers there. 
You've got Dillashaw back. Where does Sandhagen go? I mean, this weight class is fun. 135 pounds. If I would have told you guys three years ago that 135 pounds was going to be this fun, iron on top of iron, competitive guys calling each other out, nobody afraid to fight, how quick can I get in there, put me in, coach. I don't know if you would have believed it. And even if you did believe it, I don't know that you would have cared. It's incredible what the 35-pounders have done. I realize that Cejudo gets plenty of that shine. But Dominic Cruz deserves that shine too. You talk about carrying the torch. Dominic's the one that lit the damn thing. TJ Dillashaw deserves credit too. Font and Misha Shavili, who I should be able to pronounce his name, no disrespect there. It's a hard name. These guys are killer. Sanhagen, how far can he go? More specifically, who do you want to see take on O'Malley? And I'll put my name in there. I want to see Simone. I want to see Ricky Simone in there. But I also don't love the idea of people continually trying to, what seems, protect Sean. Sean doesn't want protected. Sean has never asked for this, this bulletproof Kevlar vest. He's asked for big opportunities with big names that get him into a title fight quickly. I realize he has the leg injury. I realize you have a star here. I cannot tell you with a straight face that if I was the one tasked with this, I would handle it any differently. I think there is some advantages that you need to recognize when you have somebody as interesting and as talented and as young as Sean. I'm just reminding you, he's not asking to be protected. He's not asking for anything except as of right now, he's asking for an opponent on this specific date that happens to weigh 135 pounds as a good understanding of the unified rules. That seems very reasonable by me. I think we could all at least agree in a worst case scenario, let's get him that. Let's get him an opponent. Let's let him keep this date. And this used to be preserved at all costs. It still largely is 95%. 90 to 95%. If a guy's on a card, you keep him on the card regardless of something happened to the opponent. It used to be 100%. At least effort-wise, you, you'd move you'd move mountains to keep a guy on a card who you had advertised on a card or who you had planned to be on a card. Now we are seeing more common things of let's just remove both of them. The opponent's out, let's also remove the other opponent and just stick it on another date. I don't disagree with any of that. None. In this case, we have Sean O'Malley, who has overcome a few things. You think that leg injury wasn't real twice? You think he's still not dealing with some pains in that leg and he's hiding it and lying about it and toughing it out? He deserves something for that. In this case, all he's asking for is an opponent that weighs 135 pounds the day before between 9 and 11 a.m. and has an understanding of the unified rules. Can we at least give Sean that? So I've just spent the last few minutes talking about Conor McGregor and Sean O'Malley, two fighters that you guys love to talk about. And today, I've got some thoughts on another fighter that gets you all riled up. So there was a post on something the kids call the Underground Forum. Now, the Underground Forum is a massive meeting ground for our community, always has been. 
I know forum is a word that you take for granted on websites now, and they're all over the place, and you hear about Reddit, and you hear all these different things. That's not always true. There's actually a mechanism. And back when script used to be written in the form of HTML, hypertech markup language, you had to be pretty damn good at what you did to have a forum. So I only bring that to you because it's one of these things that does date itself back, and it still lives on. A guy went on there, and he was talking about Colby Covington. And he said, Colby Covington has no wins over current top 10 welterweights. I used to be a big fan, but all he's done in recent years is run away from big fights, nothing to pad his record, and he's making a big mistake fighting Kamara Usman at this point in his career without a warm-up fight, end quote, off the top of my hat. How impressed are you? But I'll tell you this. The argument's got major flaws, right? I mean, the overarching argument is he should not be fighting the number one guy in the world without a warm-up fight. But it's supporting cases for why the guy is no longer a fan is because Colby hasn't fought anybody in the top 10. Well, if you want him to fight a guy in the top 10 and he's willing to fight number one, but you're telling him you don't want to do it, what is it you're arguing for? I want to be part of this. I want to rebuke this. I want to make you look like a fool. I just don't know in which direction to go. You're saying he didn't fight anybody in the top 10. Says who? Who the hell knows where to get a ranking? How do you know what anybody is ranked? And I know there's an answer to that. There is a way to do it. But if you know what that way is, you know something that the rest of the world doesn't. I don't even know where these rankings live. I can tell you something Colby did do. He won a world damn championship. I can tell you something Colby did do. He gave Kamara Usman the hardest, most interesting, dirtiest fight, not only of his career, in the history of... Of the division and possibly the sport. I can tell you something Colby did do. He fought former world champions. T-Wood comes to mind. I don't know what T-Wood was. You're telling me T-Wood wasn't ranked in the top 10? I'm telling you he's a world champion who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. You're telling me he's not in the top 10? You might be right. That doesn't sound right. That makes very little sense. Colby has been ranked number three for three years. I can't imagine T-Wood, who wasn't in the top 10, got a fight with the number three guy if he wasn't in the top 10. So I do dispute you, though I'll admit I don't, I don't have proof, but I will never have it because I don't know where the hell you get a ranking. And what's more impressive, to fight a ranked guy or to fight a former world champion who's going to be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, it just seems like a really weird argument to me. And you think he should have a warm-up fight with who? Who is it you think he should fight as a way of preparing himself for Kamar Usman? And what kind of sense does that make? You do not get better by fighting, contrary to any other sport or belief. You want to be really good at soccer? Go out, play a whole bunch of games of soccer. I trust that would help. You want to be good at pool? Go shoot a bunch of pool. I would trust, logically, you will get better. You get worse in fighting. You don't get better. You leave a part of yourself out there. You got so many bullets in your gun. I will tell you the best athletes that I knew. I grew up as a wrestler. But the best guys I knew. He could be a four-time state champion. It could be the four-time national champion. It could be the guy that went on right after college and won the Olympic Games. They all have one thing in common. All of them. All of them. And I could name names and I could impress you. Their careers are done at 27 years old or younger. All of the greats that I knew, the true greats, the boys, uh, the men amongst boys, right? The shark in the tank. They were all retired and done by 27. You only have so many in the chamber. You can fire them wherever you want. 
Your ability to extend your career is something that I personally will respect. But either way, you got so many wins in you. Go get them when you want. You want to do four state titles and four national championships? You want to go win the Olympics? If your career is over at 27, you're also going to be judged for that. What in the hell took so long? What got you out of there so quick? Your mind is chewed up or your body's chewed up? It's one of the two. Is it both? You could have extended that, is my argument. It's a philosophy and a theory based on evidence, based on studying. But when I hear somebody should warm up, look, there is such a thing as ring rush. You can be out of there too long, and I'm not arguing with you there. Every fighter in the history of fighting that isn't named Dominic Cruz will suffer from ring rust. But Colby's not near that. He's not even close to that. He's had two training camps already, whether you understand it or not, two different times where he thought that he was fighting. One against Usman, one against Masvidal. He went into camp, thought he had these fights. Now he's got Masvidal again. Great, he's back in camp. I just found it to be a very weird argument. First off, who he fought that was ranked. I don't know if you're right or not. I'll never know. I'll never know, and that argument will never hold up because nobody knows where to get the rankings, and nobody respects them. We respect world champions. He's fought world champions. I just named them. He was the champion. To win that championship, he beat a world champion in RDA. I mean, this is a hard schedule, and it's a guy that feels sharp. This isn't the guy that's out partying on the weekends and getting old and doing things. He's buckled down. He's having some fun with you in the media. The rest of the day, he's focused on his goal. And I don't know how we can have it both ways. You want to insult Colby for what? For taking a fight that you don't you think is too hard for him? Or you're going to insult him, insult him for not taking other fights that weren't hard enough for him? What are you arguing? Well, to continue today's theme of discussing stars in the sport, let's wrap up the show by talking about a big name on the women's side. All right, let's talk Kayla Harrison. So, as you guys know, I'm a Kayla fan, right? I'm an Olympic fan, though. I feel as though she's a hero to the country for bringing home gold medals. So, Ali came out and said that Kayla Harrison is Ronda Rousey 6.0. On the skills, I'm starting to see it. And it was very hard to see how good Kayla was early on. She just wasn't in there with opponents that could push her. Right? Every fighter will have plan A. Every fighter. When they're forced to go to plan B, that's when you see who the greats are. And I can even remember it with George St. Pierre specifically. Take everybody down, beat him up from there, ends up in a fight with Matt Hughes. Can't take him down, kicks him in the head, knocks him out, leaves with his belt. And all of a sudden you go, whoa. right? This guy's plan B might be better than his plan A. He just doesn't know that. But all of the greats have that in common. Khabib's big crowning moment. In many ways. In many ways, Khabib's crowning moment where we all saw is when he sends Connor head over tea kettle in the boxing range. Right after Connor just went 30 minutes with Floyd. I mean, it, was, it was one of those things where you go, this guy can do it all. I can remember Randy Couture. When he caught everybody's attention, he was already the champion of the world. But he took everybody down and pounded on them. He fights Kevin Randleman, who took him down. And Randy didn't even finish the fight with this, but he spun into an armbar. And he had Randleman. He had the armbar. He, he didn't finish the fight, but that was showing another element in another dimension and Randy got a lot of credit and a lot of respect for it okay Kayla Harrison hasn't had to do that she still has not had 
to do that. She is choosing to go out in some of these contests and show gains. It's just more difficult to do. She is overwhelming. At 155 pounds, she's hard to get excited about only because where is she going to go? How is she going to prove this? UFC, by example, doesn't have a 155-pound division at all. PFL, which does contest 155 pounds, does not have a body, enough bodies, to have what we would consider an entire division. 155 pounds globally does not have a ranking because they rank the top 10 and they can't find 10 contestants that can fog a mirror to write their names down on a dot-com that nobody reads anyway. None of that is Kayla's fault, and none of that was Ali's point. Ali's point is this girl is better than any other girl to have done it. Question is, is he right? I'm starting to see it. I am starting to see it. And Ronda Rousey, in many ways, was a good armbar, a nasty competitor, big drive, but she was a media darling. She had opportunities that isn't something you can just go copy. It's not something Kayla can sit down, study, and then go emulate. It was right place, right time. Once in a generation, and the generation happened to be Rhonda. So I only say that because Kayla can't punish herself. She can't punish herself and be upset if she's not drawing and selling out, sitting on Ellen's couch, moonlighting in the evening over there with Jimmy Fallon. It's a, it's a different deal. And it's not because she's less charismatic or did anything wrong or had different contexts or less opportunities. It's really not. She might have some of those things, but that's not what this is. Ronda, right place, right time. So when Ali's talks about 6.0, he's talking about the skills. He's talking about the dominance. And we are seeing improvements from Kayla. If Kayla was never allowed to improve, like just hypothetical, let's have some fun. She never even was allowed to walk through the doors of ATT ever. She was never allowed to train MMA ever. She had to go off residual effects of what she had already learned from her days as an amateur athlete through the Olympics. And go in and compete in MMA. She's still undefeated. She still won the tournament twice. There's nobody that could beat her. And there's nobody that could win a roundabout against her. And there's nobody that went the distance with her. I really believe that. I think she was just that good. I think she was that durable. I think she was adverse to anti-contact. I think she prefers to be in a battle. She understands a point system. She understands when the lights are on. She understands competition. She understands getting her hand raised. Just some of these intangibles that you can only get through a lifetime of competing. She has them. But I'm starting to see some pretty heavy hands. Even if she's doing them from the ground, I'm starting to hear the thud. I'm starting to see the power. I for sure am witnessing a confidence growth. There is stories that she used to train regularly with Amanda Nunes and that Amanda has stopped those workouts. That Amanda has stopped those workouts foreshadowing this being a potential future opponent. Now, I'm not here to tell you what happened in the room. I wasn't there. I am here to tell you if those workouts happened, Kayla should have won just on size. Size does matter. And what both those girls walk around at and what they would have been at those workouts, I don't know. I am accurate when I tell you they would have been different. Amanda covers the spread all the way down 
to 35. Kayla Harrison said in an interview that I caught at one point, I have not weighed 145 since my junior year of high school. So she's a big, strong gal for the division is my only point. Where does she go and when can she get the opportunity to prove that she is in fact 6.0? We can't just make these things happen. We also need some information from her, which is primarily, can you get to 145 pounds? Is that a lifestyle change? Physiology-wise, is this possible? Do you have a vision and a plan or are you settling in at 155 and saying the whole world's going to have to change for me? That's a tough plan, but we have seen it before. And Ali's the one making the comparison to Ronda Rousey. We saw it for Ronda Rousey. We saw an entire division being allowed entrance and television time because of Ronda Rousey. So it's not as though this is unheard of. It's not as though this is impossible. There has to be a stardom. There has to be an interest. I feel as though Kayla is on her way to that. To fast-track it, she would drop to 145 pounds. That is personal between her. I would never ask her. If she was my guest right now, I would not say, what do you weigh? When are you going to be 145? But I will listen for when she offers that. And if she does, Kayla 6.0 could well be on the fast-track to be in the next Ronda. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that you continue to head over to Apple Podcasts and review our show like our friend Rob, who says Chael can make baking a cupcake sound interesting. Well, thank you, Rob. And while I don't bake cupcakes, you're probably right. Guys, until Friday, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 